This is the time of year when most of us are putting up our Christmas trees. Some of us choose to have conifers and pots that we bring out year after year. Others, well, back in January this year, we found Hazel Darwin Clements on the foreshore at Musselburgh. What you're going to do is put this tree right down so the branches then... touch the sand, so you've got to chuck it in. So mm -hmm. nearby. Okay. Not too far away, because you're going to rake it back into your feet. Thanks. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Stop recording, start digging. I'm Hazel, welcome to the Porty Podcast. This is the sound of me digging a massive hole on the beach in Musselburgh to bury a Christmas tree in the sand. So these are cut trees with no roots, the kind that people in Porty discuss each year. Should we be burning them in a big bonfire or should we be letting the council collect them to make them into wood chips? Well, this year, a few folk on Porty People Facebook page suggested another option. The Musselburgh Flood Protection Action Group organised an event to encourage natural flood defences. I went along and I met Grant Buchanan, who was digging the hole beside Mike. Did you bring a Christmas tree today? Uh, yes, three Christmas trees, so picked up a couple from family and uh, brought our own one as well. I, I suppose when we first heard what was going on about potentially a concrete wall two miles long being put along our, our lovely beachfront. We started to look at nature-based solutions to see if there was an alternative. So really it grew from there, from the public consultation, which was really just a demonstration of how they were going to spend a, a lot of uh, public money. And so we took it upon ourselves to, to try and investigate an alternative and, as I say, a, a better alternative for the, the community and for, for the environment. Hazel was also intrigued by the sad story of Bonnie and Clyde, their swan song, you might say. The two were well-loved birds which nested in Figget Park. However, things had taken a turn for the worse, as Hazel found out, when she met up in February with Rosie McGlynn. So Bonnie was the resident swan in Figget Park for 20 years, and in 2020, wintertime, a new pair came to the pond. Bonnie's partner Clyde. So Bonnie and Clyde were the resident swans. Uh -huh. And they had built a nest by the boardwalk in Figget Park. Eggs were there. And it was all set to be a lovely new signet for Bonnie and Clyde. But the new pair of swans effectively forced them out by the male swan attacked Clyde and he had to be put down. Oh, and then Clyde. Clyde was basically put down because he was just wasn't going to survive. And then I was sort of basically ended up spending hours and hours and hours in Figgit Park on the boardwalk, keeping an eye on Bonnie. So I'd basically go down at like six in the morning, with my little rug and my coffee, and just basically sit near her nest and basically give her sweet corn and stuff and then try and keep the male swan away from her because he was intent on getting her out. Eventually, he was jumping on her nest and, tr and basically trying to drown her. And she was trying to protect her eggs. Protect her eggs. Still there. Yeah. She had like no chance against him because he was a really big aggressive swan originally from Musselburgh right what's um, his name he's ne ne never been given like an official name okay I think Doris locally may have called him Satan or Psycho Swan okay because of his <laughs> hello because of his nefarious activities but eventually the SSPCA had to rescue Bonnie okay. so I was involved with supporting that rescue effort which involved effectively a group of about five of us women were sheltering in the rain on the Harry Lauder Road under a big kind of like awning thing or like an advertising sign because she was under the bridge because he'd forced her off the nest and she'd flown into the burn. 
the Bonnie squad stepped in and we basically marshalled the troops and got the SSPCA out to rescue her. And they did and they brought her to Musselburgh, which is why I began coming to Musselburgh to check on Bonnie. And I then did the Edinburgh Festival Marathon to raise money for the SSPCA and raised over £700, a lot of which came from 40 people, which is fantastic. And Bonnie had kind of paired up with a swan here that we kind of nicknamed Charlie, so it's like Bonnie and Charlie. Okay. <laughs> um, but then a swan called George from Queen Margaret Uni, he had four signets and a female partner, but his female partner was injured by a dog and so had to be rescued and taken away to rehabilitate. So he was then a single dad and he flew down to the Esk in Musselburgh met Bonnie a couple of times and then she flew back to Queen Margaret and she helped bring up the signets. I've been rowing on and off, mostly off recently, for about 10 years. But I'm quite happy in the usually calm waters of the Firth, not so everyone. The actor, Cal McCanninch, is a member of the Eastern Amateur Rowing Club. He felt like something a bit more challenging. So later that month, we heard he'd put together a crew to take part in the Atlantic Challenge. It is rowing... 3,000 miles across the Atlantic, unaided. We are a crew of five, all based in Portobello. You're members of the Eastern Amateur Brewing yes. Club? Yeah, that's right. I've been a member of that club for about four years. When I had the idea of, of rowing the Atlantic, I put out a few feelers to ask members of the club who fancied doing it, and these are the four guys who go back to me saying that they would consider it. It is quite a, a daunting challenge. I mean, 3,000 miles, you're not, if you like, going a Viking, you're not following the northern route, you're going further south where it's hopefully a bit safer. Yeah, apparently Columbus said you head south into the butter melts and then you turn right. So that's what we're doing. We're heading from La Gomera in the Canaries and rowing across to Antigua. The boys from North Berwick did it this year. A lot of the time they were in the doldrums, so they were like rowing through treacle. And there's two tiny little cabins at either end of the boat. It's a specially designed Atlantic rowing boat. When they tried to get some sleep, it was absolutely stifling. There was, there was very little wind. A lot of the time it was very un, unpleasant. And of course you row two hours on, two hours off, 24 hours a day. You yes, keep just, the boat moving. I was just wondering about that because I've been involved in rowing and regattas and that's, you know, that's, that's an hour at a time. This is 24 hours a day for, what, about 30-plus days? Anything under 40 days is, is really good. Keeps in the, the North Berry boys, but um, the five-in-a-row boys, they did it in the 36 days, and I think they were eight hours short of a world record. So 36 days is an incredible time. But anything less than 40 days would be, would be fantastic. I was actually doing the, the arithmetic last night and thinking that 3,000 miles, you're only doing it about four miles an hour, which is quite a daunting thought. Well, you hope some of the time you're going to get the waves that you could surf so that you can get up to maybe 18, 19 miles an hour. A bit of help would be nice. But we've got a rowing coach. He's rowed the Atlantic twice himself, and he's also coached several world record teams, and he is gradually increasing our rowing training. We're on about an hour. We can do an hour on the, the rowing machine as part of the training now. And then we'll build up to at least being able to do two hours, if not three hours, sitting non-stop. So that's the goal. That crew has now left for the Canaries, and we wish them all the best and bon voyage. These are difficult times. People are finding things financially hard. So in April, we discovered about an initiative called the Community Fridge. 
Hazel was involved and made a documentary for the Scottish Communities Climate Action Network about it. She reworked it for the Porty podcast. Let's go and see if we can get some people to come in. Hello. Do you know about the community fridge? Okay, cool. <laughs> Hiya. Do you know about the community fridge? Sorry? Do you know about the community fridge? We're just handing out... Oh, thank you. No, no? <laughs> okay. <laughs> you don't know. So we're only on till 12, so do come back before 12. We've got chocolate hot cross buns, guys. This is the sound of me trying to give away free food at the Portobello Community Fridge. Do you want some of these hot cross buns? Oh, no, not, not, not a fan. Yeah. No, They're not good for you. Next to these are good though. Choice. Do you want know, a bit of turnip? Fine with that, thank you very much. Tomatoes? No, I'm fine. Help yourself to red cabbage. We are needing to give those away. And also tomatoes, but cherry tomatoes look. We've got quite a lot of those. It's food that the supermarket no longer wants to sell, but which is perfectly edible. And it comes with conversations like this. Salsa? Salsa? You could make some salsa out of all these plum tomatoes. Yeah. Roast them and make some roast tomato soup. Oh, that'd be delicious. Roast them with some garlic and then put them with pasta, pen pasta. You've got all the recipes. I quite like this because it makes you be a bit more creative. Yeah, definitely. I would happily take even more of these tomatoes, you know. Yeah, yeah. We've got three minutes left, so I think... Yeah, go for it. In June, we saw a large number of rainbow flags appearing along the high street. They were to celebrate the Porty Pride weekend, which saw a number of events taking place, starting with the community choir gathered on Portobello Beach. Porty Pride! Porty Pride! Same words. Porty Pride! Porty Come and sing! Sing your heart out, sing your heart out, sing for justice, sing for justice and forty pride, forty pride, all again, forty pride, forty pride. A small group of people have been working on forty pride since October last year, getting local businesses involved and putting the programme together. As I heard from Katie Muffet and first Kate Gilwood. We asked the businesses down the high street to fly the progress flag for us and the response was so positive that we grew the idea into Porty Pride, which is what's happening this weekend. Give me an idea of what is happening this weekend. Oh, we've got loads on, so there's a really long event schedule and you're going to test my memory now, aren't you? Well, shall I hand over to Katie? Last night the event actually started with the community choir. That's right. So, as of this morning, at 11 o'clock, we have a dog walk setting off from King's Road, which will go all the way to the end of Joppa. And then we've got the Lothian Roller Group coming back the other way, and they're rolling on skates, in wheelchairs, on their blades. And then throughout the afternoon, we've got... Well, you can talk about the afternoon, because 
Yeah, so at lunchtime in the library, alongside Lavender Menace, which is an LGBT bookshop, who are bringing books along and they're going to talk about the books that they have and those kind of things, we have a charity called Pink Saltire, who are bringing a history board along with them. So there's an educational piece there. There's also going to be a film director, Sarah Drummond, who is in the process of making a film about the impact of Section 28 on the younger generation, so the people who were impacted by Section 28 while they were at school. So she's going to be having a talk on that. One of my favourite events during the summer was the Bike Fest. Belfield Street had been closed off and the most amazing selection of inventive wheeled vehicles were on display. It was a collaboration between the community hub at Belfield and Porty Community Energy, whose Ellen Grunefeld told me they wanted people to think about an alternative Portobello. We had a Reimagining the High Street workshop where we invited people to think about the things that they like, things that they dislike and the things that they would like to improve in Portobello when it comes to you know, travel and transport. So we had a big map of Portobello where people could put post-its on in different colours and then the map is still displayed so the rest of the public could then walk in later and, and read what people would have written for different areas. So, for instance, some people have said that they want more bike parking on the high street and more of those cycle hoops on the side road so that people can store their own bikes there. But also things like a car park on the outside of Portobello to reduce the number of cars coming in, but also maybe closing off the high street to through traffic so that we can have a sort of more livable neighbourhood where people can walk and, and wheel uh, safely. So without... things like bus gates in order to make sure that public transport is available. Indeed, bus gates. So we want to still obviously have public transport be available. So we want to maintain those connections with, say, Leith, Portobello, the rest of Edinburgh. But yeah, allow basically private cars who just travel through Portobello to basically prevent them from coming through. And, you know, that's kind of one of the, the things that came out of the workshop as well. We can look forward to seeing how many of these ideas get turned into reality. While we could wander around finding out about the various bikes on show, there was also a fashion show of bikes and bikewear. So Ewan Dawson is going to go first. Ewan is over here and he is riding one of the trishaws. And these trishaws from Cycling Without Age Musclebro, which is a volunteer group who are taking those with limited mobility for a ride. How cool is that? We've told the story of the town hall and the work of Porty Central to save it for the community. Well, they held their first AGM as a charitable company and Chair Jennifer Elliott was delighted by the turnout. I definitely was, not just as the audience and the members and that's always brilliant to see a good turnout but the fact that we had so many trustees, we're at full capacity on trustees. It's a case of harnessing all this energy at the moment. And yet the building is still completely clad in scaffolding and you don't quite know what's going on inside there, do you, at the moment? Which has been the state of affairs for about the last three years but it does seem like the end is in sight and we will be having serious conversations with customers, hirers, community organisations, partnerships. They'll all be there for the talking and it needs people with the bandwidth to take forward a line of conversation, an approach to a festival, an organisation, the festival. These things get planned far in advance so I'm really excited by the bandwidth that 15 trustees will bring us uh, to just take forward those conversations. 
In order to become a Scottish charitable incorporated organisation, the trustees had to satisfy the powers that be that they would fulfil certain key objectives. There are objectives for the charity that keep us as guidance and they are the provision of recreational facilities, that's easy, we're a town hall, the provision of events, recreational facilities around those, those two go together. That's not our core objective at the moment because we have limited staff but we have the facilities. There is the promotion of arts, heritage, science and culture I think are the four so that gives us remit to do almost anything and along with promotion of citizenship and community development we can get stuck into what Porty needs so I probably don't want to talk too much about those projects to just let them come real but there are inquiries but there are there. so many interesting people living in Portobello I mean everything from the Astronomer Royal for Scotland since you mentioned science so many artists we've just had the art walk there is so much happening there is and each one of them takes a lot of organizing any event takes a little bit of risk for the person organizing it so we're hoping people have an idea of what they want to do we'll support them in running it they want to get a lecture in on astronomy, which Belfield have had in the past. There has been a talk on the moon, as I remember attending, and I love a good lecture. If we can get any of these forward, it's just a case of having the building available, having the bandwidth to talk it through and to get the booking in. One of the heartwarming success stories of the year was Trudy and Me, a picture book about diversity. A crowdfund campaign had been launched to raise the £20,000 needed to get it published, and they just 30 days in which to do so. Author and illustrator Bridget Campbell told me more about the project. So David, this was a collaboration between myself and Trudy and Patrick's mum, Lauren Elliott Lockhart. And it began with a conversation as we were pushing our kids on the swings in the play park down on Portobello Prom about how children with disabilities aren't represented well enough in children's literature. When Trudy was born with Down syndrome and Patrick was coming up three, Lauren wanted to find a picture book that she would be able to share with Patrick that would help him understand about Trudy. And she really just couldn't find anything suitable. So the two of us came up with this idea in the play park, as I say, and we just took it from there, really. You do have an English literature background, so you sort of kind of understand about books. I do, I do. I spent a very happy four years at Edinburgh University reading English literature, studying history of art along the way. And so it feels like that has been a really great backdrop for this because I'm just so passionate about how much literature can share different people's experiences and how we can learn from it, as well as having studied occupational therapy and worked as an occupational therapist for the NHS for 10 years, where I had experience of working with people with learning disabilities. It was kind of a collision of two parts of my life, really. And so the project has been a real joy to work on. It's taken us a long time. We've had lockdowns and homeschooling children and... Lauren and, and Patrick and, and Trudy subsequently moved from Portobello down to Lanarkshire, so that kind of slowed our progress a bit. But we've, we've persevered and we've loved it every step of the way, developing what we hope to be a really joyful celebration of siblings and really getting diversity into literature. And yes, they made their target with a couple of days to spare. There are a lot of Victorian and Edwardian properties in Portobello. With climate change increasingly on people's minds, we need to find ways of preparing them for a low-energy future, which is where the retrofit roadshow came in. It was part of the heat fair arranged by Porty Community Energy. They've been very busy this year. And Gillian Wilson from PCE told me about the roadshow. Which is all about trying to help local people think about low-carbon heating in their homes. We know loads of people live in a communal stair or in a tenement and that it's really difficult to do stuff on your own. 
And so the retrofit roadshow in particular is looking at an initiative in Edinburgh where we as local community people who might get together in a stair could get advice and support in doing something a bit more collective. And Porty Community Energies very interested in supporting groups of people like that in Portobello who want to take an initiative as a group. And uh, yeah, so if anybody's interested in trying to do something in their stair and wants to find out a bit more, that's what this idea, this event is all about. How can you improve the efficiency of your home and do more to reduce energy use in heating your home? The roadshow itself is relatively new. It's been brought together by ALA Impacts, which describes itself as a not-for-profit community interest company, providing property and construction advice that creates a lasting impact. One of its founders is Ethan Lewis. It was actually a Banzai up in Brunsfield. They were the ones who organised the first one, and they pulled together Kat, who was here before, Joanne, and a local architect. And it was such a success that when we were then working with the Climate Forum, and we were looking for ways to help other communities, we thought, well, why don't we just take this model and, and replicate it? How did you get involved with Porty, or particularly Porty Community Energy? Well, because of the Edinburgh Communities Climate Action Forum, because of that, that's really a place where lots of community groups come together. And so Hazel sits on the facilitation and support group. So when we were talking on that about these retrofit roadshows and how well they're going, Hazel said, well, I'm, I'm running this event, a heat fair. Why don't you come along and you could pair your roadshow with our heat fair and we can try and help people in, in the Porty area with the advice that you can give. So that's how we got here. How broad is the advice you can give? It's an interesting one because a lot of people come to these things thinking that we're going to tell them what type of insulation to put on their walls or what type of heat pump to get and all that sort of thing, the really technical things. But actually, it's more big picture than that because that advice is out there and lots of people are talking about that. What people aren't talking about is how to get over the, the hurdles of paying for those things, about getting the right advice, about not accidentally doing the wrong thing. And the answers to all those lie in people grouping together as communities and so that you can buy at scale, you can get advice from each other, support. And so really the message that the Roadshow typically gives is, is about community, not necessarily the, the bricks and mortar technical stuff. It is very broad, hopefully it gives people the right message, but we always make sure that we hang around at the end to answer the questions about what wall insulation and what air source heat pump to go for, because we know that too. Finally, 2022 saw the end of an era when Morag Phillips, Miss Morag to generations of students at the Lothian Dance Academy, decided the time had come to hang up her dancing shoes. However, she's got other projects in her mind, not least her role with the town hall. It's what I call a very theatrical place. <laughs> you know, so there is people that would support it. They'd bring people down. I mean, how long does it take on a 26 bus? And if people came down and they put things on in the town hall for the Festival Fringe... We also have Belfield, we also have the Wash House, we also have Joppa, St Mark's, churches. We have loads of valuable space and some of it's a lot better than some of the, the cupboards that they're putting on in the fringe normally. I did hear somewhere they're wanting to expand into different places. I think the time is ripe for us really to get this happening. Basically, I'm in a happy place. I've got my wee hobby doing things. I can still dip in and out of Lothian Dance Academy when they ask me to. I actually have a plan that when my knees and my back get better, um, I might start some adult ballet classes. I've been asked to do chair tap dancing. It's for people that want to do tap dancing, but they're not as fit for doing it all standing up. So they can hold on to the chair, they can sit down, they can dance round it. 
I have a, a plan to do staying alive classes, which are all to do with keeping your heart in a good condition. You can start on the chair, use the chair and just keep things going that way. So actually, when you turn a certain age and you retire, life doesn't stop. Actually, life begins. It's just a different era. I'm looking forward now and enjoying the thought of looking forward. And we understand there'll be much more to learn about the town hall early in the new year. And that's it for this year. All that remains is to thank especially Hazel Darwin-Clements for her excellent episodes, not to mention her help and support through the year. And all of the people of Portobello who've been kind enough or brave enough to speak into our microphones and tell their stories. And thank you too to all of our loyal listeners wherever you are. And no, they're not all in Portobello. Our usual reminder that if you have a porty story that needs to be told in the coming year, then please get in touch, either through social media or by email at theportypodcast at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening, and may we wish you all a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Mm-hmm.